Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, where today we've got breaking news. American citizens who were left behind by the United States government have been rescued from Afghanistan, only to be trapped by our government again, this time in Abu Dhabi, where the State Department is blocking their flight to come to the United States. Talk about insanity. First, the government lets them down by not evacuating these American citizens. And we're not talking about a couple. We're talking about 127 U.S. citizens and green card holders, more than what the generals claimed in their testimony as they were left behind in Afghanistan. They can't even get their numbers right. But we get them out of Afghanistan through the courageous, bright, innovative work of a private series of groups and then our government gets in the way today. And we're gonna have with us the man who made that rescue mission possible, one of the leaders of this rescue capability, Mark Geist. If that name sounds familiar, he was the character Oz in the movie 13 Hours. Not the actor, the real guy that fought at Benghazi and protected our asset there against an extraordinary attack by insurgents. He's an American hero. He hasn't stopped serving his country. And today he's here to tell us exactly what the State Department did to get in the way of a successful rescue of American citizens from Afghanistan. That's our breaking news. And then we're going to take a quick tour down Second Amendment Lane to see what's been going on. A lot of things have been going on behind the scenes, below the radar. Red flag laws, a UN treaty that might create a worldwide global gun owners registry. Two important things the Biden administration is doing. A lot of things below the radar to potentially affect, impact the Second Amendment. And we've got Gun Owners of America here today, Antonio Okafor, here to give us an update on all the things that you may not have heard about that pose challenges to the Second Amendment, as well as some successes, like the open carry law that's about to go into effect in the state of Texas. That is our show, a full show. I don't want to talk too much because I've got better guests and smarter people than me, and we're going to bring them right on. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, the breaking news, U.S. citizens rescued from Afghanistan now stranded by their own government's conduct in Abu Dhabi in the Middle East. Stay tuned to that with Mark Geist, one of the former members of the Annex security team that fought that brave battle at Benghazi, a true American hero, doing heroic things again today, only to see his own U.S. government get in the way. We're going to have that first, followed by Gun Owners of America. Big show, a lot of news. Stay tuned right after these messages from our great sponsors and advertisers. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a true American hero on the phone line right now. Joining us right now is Mark Geist. If that name sounds familiar, well, he was one of those brave men that fought the Battle of Benghazi back on September 11th, 2012. Yes, the battle that was prompted by a negligent State Department. And uh, his story, of course, was memorialized in the book 13 Hours, a great movie, 13 Hours. And he has never stopped serving his country from the time he was a Marine in 84 to this very moment where he has a plane load of Americans he's rescued from Afghanistan. And guess who's messing it up again? You got it the same State Department. Joining us right now is Mark Geis. Mark, congratulations and thank you for all you're doing in your country. Hey, thanks, John. And, uh, you know, I, I got to give a shout out to uh, Project Dynamo. Yes. Who uh, myself and my, my organization, Shadow Warriors Project, is working with. They reached out to me um, to ask me to if I could help out with them. And, uh, you know, those are the guys that are doing the heavy lifting. I mean, they did such a fabulous job with what we got going on. They are downrange right now, a couple of the founders with the American citizens who are stuck in Abu Dhabi because we had our landing clearances revoked yesterday. Um, Otherwise, they would have been in here 7 o'clock this morning, probably kissing the ground that they come on. There was one thing I wanted to share with you because it was was kind of heart-wrenching for me as uh, one of our volunteers had passed it on to me that she was talking with one of the kids because there's approximately 57 kids under the younger youngsters, I should say, under the age of 18, and 16 of them are under the age of three. And this seven-year-old little boy told her, said, all I want to do is get back to America so I can not miss any more school. Oh, <laughs> these are the... These are the people stuck on that plane. Let's walk people through this. We've been covering this minute by minute on Just the News. And first off, this rescue occurs on a day when the military commanders are saying there are fewer than 100 Americans left in Afghanistan, but you got 127, 129 on your plane, which debunks that number already, because these can't be the last 100. Um, How bad is the misinformation on the Americans left behind in uh, Afghanistan? It seems like we're not getting an honest picture. We're not, you know, and I'm not sure. I wish, you know, and I think it's up to our, our senators and congressmen that are representing the people on both sides of the aisle to actually find out where the disconnect is. I mean, is it intentional misinformation or is it just inability to get things right? And, you know, having worked with uh, our intelligence services for the greater part of my career in one one manner or another, I can't believe that it's them. They, you know, especially the lower ranks, the people that are out on the ground, they are the ones who get it right. That's what their whole job is. Um, You know, and so at some point in that 
there is a disconnect and we have to figure that out. Um, I think that's essential and it's not a politics thing. Nope. It's, this should be a bipartisan American thing of, you know what, we got to make sure that those that are gathering information and intel- and developing it into intelligence, it gets to our leaders, no matter who it is, what administration, it gets to them in an unfiltered, unpolitical manner. Because that's the only way our leaders can, our elected officials can make policy decisions legitimately. Yeah, such a great point. Uh, the and we we need to fix this. At the end of the day, we just want to get the intelligence right. We want to get the accounting right. So your group, the Shadow Warrior Project, which is an amazing project, and and really brought to American consciousness the incredible brave men and women who fought in the same capacity you fought at Benghazi as a private contractor uh, backing up our American forces. But uh, your group gets involved and uh, you're you're in with Project Dynamo. You get 127 U.S. citizens. I think 59 are under the age of 18, right? So a lot of young kids. Yes. And you get this plane clearance to leave Afghanistan. The Taliban let you leave. The State Department gave you clearance to leave, correct? Well, we were the first private organization, non-government organization, to get clearance to land a plane and depart from Kabul since the uh, takeover. And, you know, it's, it's just what a, a success. It, yeah, it is. It's a huge success. And, you know, the manifest was put forth to all those that needed to see it that were required to because we knew that we were landing in Abu Dhabi and then going to continue on. So we engaged with the State Department and... Somewhere along the lines between our landing in Abu Dhabi, our next plane coming in to our next charter plane coming in, and then getting ready to take off when it landed, we were then told initially that it was approved to go into JFK. Then they switched it to Dulles, and then ultimately they denied it altogether for some reason. And what I'm getting is that it was because they wanted to have further screening of those on the plane unreal and you know obviously it was probably a random pick kind of like when you go through security at the airport and you're that person that gets randomly picked right so these poor people have had their hopes dashed temporarily it sounds like something that'll get resolved is this just a case of giant bureaucracy again getting in the way basically rescuing defeat from the jaws of victory you know, I think it is. It, it is the one thing. And I mean, you could talk to any politician on either side of the aisle. And I think you're 100 percent right. I mean, the bureaucracy that makes this giant machine inside the Beltway run is that. And I would love to believe that's all it is. I really hope that's all it is, because I can't imagine politicians that would play with American lives yeah. and use that as a political thing. We had told them, you know, if you guys want to fly a plane, fly the plane to Abu Dhabi, put them on a plane and bring them back in. We don't care who gets the credit. This ain't about who gets credit. This is about making sure that that no one gets left behind. You know, and after having been through what I went through in Benghazi with my fellow uh, Americans, that is just one of my ethos that is just re uh, is, is sharpened that much more since then of never leave anyone behind yeah. and that's what we're going to do and we we still have more that we need to get out this is not that's an important know, point just, these aren't the last 127 right 
No, it is not. It's not the last 127. And then we also have all of those uh, Afghans that put their lives on the line. That's right. And translators, judges, right? Us. Yep, judges. I mean, I know of some female judges, several of them that are trying to get out. There's a group I also know of that's seven women activists. They had radio shows and podcasts and using social media to advocate for women's rights in Afghanistan while we were there. And you know they're being hunted. Yeah, no, they are. We we know the intelligence. We've we've had some uh, intel people on here telling us how intense the pursuit of these people are. It's outrageous that we're a month from nearly a month from our departure, and we don't have these issues resolved. You've had this extraordinary vantage point, and and again, as a, as a true American hero, I mean, really, when I think about it, what you did at Benghazi with your colleagues is is the sort of heroism that you know is generational. And, you know, just once in a generation, someone comes up, they step up in such a way, and and, and yet it goes on every day. We just don't get to see it. You keep seeing how bureaucracy, whether it's the State Department, you know, miscalculating the the security at Benghazi and putting Chris, uh, Chris Stevens in harm to this moment here. How does Washington finally fix bureaucracy and get it out of the way of success? It seems like it keeps dropping in and causing tragedy where no tragedy is necessary. You know, I think it's smaller government, you know, the, I mean, we all know the bigger and more complex an organization is, whether it's government or it's private, right? You have a harder time getting things done. I mean, we call it, one of the things I call it is task saturation. And, you know, when you're, whether it's, when you're in a gunfight or whatever, you're getting saturated with so many things that come at you. Right. And a lot of people think that, okay, if I have more people, to handle those tests, then that lessens that saturation. Well, it doesn't lessen the saturation. Then you just have more people dealing with things that don't talk to each other well enough and don't communicate. You know, when you're in a gunfight and you have 30, 50 people coming at you and you and your team, you know, you got to identify the immediate threats, take it out, move to the next, move to the next. And your six members as us in Benghazi, we had to communicate. We had to shoot, we had to communicate and we had to move. Those are the things we always talk about, and it, it's no different. And the bigger the unit, the harder it is to do those three things. And I think if we could focus on less government, smaller entities focusing on their specific areas and then developing that communication, we could, we could solve a lot of those problems. And we thought that we did that with, you know, bringing everything after 9-11. And right. 2001 we thought we did that by bringing everything under department of homeland security yeah but unfortunately that's just a lot more administration yeah we just created more layers policy. yeah right right and i don't you know that's never been the in my experience in 30 years of running around the world doing things when you develop a new department it seems to be heavy with administrative people and smaller Light on the real people, right? The real workers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Light on the execution side of things. Yeah. And and I think that's what we've ran into. And we see it all the time here in D.C., unfortunately. What can people do to help make sure that this plane gets our American citizens and our green card holders home? Uh, I know we may be just hours away from resolution. We may be days. What can Americans do right this moment to help Project Diamond Mo, to help Shadow Warrior Project, make sure those Americans hit U.S. soil? You know, the biggest thing what we need right now is we've got to raise some money because the plane that we had sitting on the tarmac waiting to take mm-hmm. us 
take our people to a United States, waited there for 13 hours before it went through two crew changes and then had to leave had to for leave. another job. Yep. So, so you need another plane to pay for that plane. Yeah. We have to charter another plane and we've got one that we, I think we can get, but it's going to cost us almost half a million dollars to charter that plane to bring home Americans. So where do uh, people go to donate? Two places they can go is projectdynamo.org or to shadowwarriorsproject.org. Either one of those you can donate to and any help out there, you know, all we need really is 500 people, $1,000 is $500,000. You're all set. But those ones that can only give one or $2, those make a difference. Yeah, they we'd add up to. We'd love everyone to be able to be a part of this and know that they are giving money to something that's going to help bring Americans home. Wow. Such an important, such an important uh, thing. Folks, a couple bucks can make a difference. Let's all help out here. Let's get these Americans home. They belong home. Their government let them down. Here we have some private warriors that have made it possible for them to get home. And let's make sure that we help them and we keep the pressure on the State Department to get our citizens home. Last question. Uh, Having been in the Marines a long time, served in all different capacities to uh, help our country. We've had this great line of generals that have gone through American history from Grant to Eisenhower to Schwarzkopf. Yesterday, we had a bunch of generals in Congress explaining how they messed up the Afghan exit. And they had these amazing lines, you know, lines like, well, it was a logistical success, but a, 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 a strategic disaster. Um, have we created an era of generals that are made for TV but don't have their military capabilities anymore? They, they, they have great sound bites, but they can't execute something as simple as an executive of Afghanistan, as a fighting man who, who served this country. Are you concerned about the state of the leadership of the U.S. military? I am. I really am. I think that they have gotten caught up in the politics of things. I mean, a good example I saw this was General Eisenhower after World War II. Right. If you look at a picture of him, pull up a picture and look how many ribbons or medals he has on his chest after fighting and winning against the Nazis. Yep. Go back and look at the generals that were sitting there yesterday and look at the ribbons on their chest. Sometimes we get we get too caught up in the idea of decoration and pomp and circumstance than we do on taking care of the troops. You know, I was watching some of that yesterday and uh and Secretary of Defense General Austin yes. made the comment that there was less than, you know, intelligence says that there was less than 100 American citizens left behind. Well, while he was saying that we had 120-some on an airplane coming to the United States. It's unbelievable. You can debunk them in real life because you've got them on the plane. <laughs> right. Now, unless he was talking, unless he was briefed at those who were already on their way and he wasn't counting those. So maybe there's another hundred out there that we need to go back and get. Right. But at this, you know, at the same time as, like you said, a logistical success, but a strategic failure. The order that they said that is, tells me a lot about where their thinking is. We're going to talk about our successes first, because it was a logistical success, which I I would argue against. Yeah, I'm not even sure it's a logistical success. Yes. Right. We have Americans that are not there anymore or that are still there and not here that should be here. We have special immigration visa holders. We have Afghans who put their lives and their families' lives on the line for our country. 
and we did not do right by them. I mean, the logistical success and the strategic success, the logistical success would have been keeping Bagram Air Base. It's big enough to do a lot of things. It's the most defendable ground in that country. That's why if you go back and look through history, if you're a study of history, you can see every occupying army that ever came through Afghanistan, guess where they held up at? That area where Bagram Air Base was, because it is defensible. And you do that. It's also got enough area that you could have brought in all of those and done all of that vetting there and ensured that we brought the right people home. Yeah. And not just a mass of refugees that we don't know some of them who they are. Such an important point, right? Such an important point. That would have been a logistic success because you did it right. The strategic would have been keeping that airbase forever. Yep. Because it gives us the ability to uh to fight back should that snake called ISIS or Al Qaeda raise its head again. Yep. And knock them right and back we down. left behind. The other thing that's, that gets me is why did we leave behind 900 billion to? It's estimated somewhere between 900 billion and 2.4 trillion dollars worth of precious minerals that are used exclusively, and they're in limited areas around the world right. for electronics, computer yeah. chips, and yeah. processors, and electronics. And obviously, the Chinese are in there. Filling that gap along, you know, filling that void along with the Russians, and That's right. they're gonna, they're gonna take that stuff for them own for themselves, and then they own that market. Yep. And if you own that market, I mean, that's the future is that our computers. Is. Yep, we are. Whether it's uh, drones, cars, uh, we see it every day. The shortage in chips right now is causing cars uh, to be a scarcity in America. One of the great things that we built in our in our 100, cent, 100 years of uh, industrialism in America, and we can't even build cars now because we have to rely on semiconductors from China. Mark, you are amazing. It is such an honor to have you on the show. I'm in awe of what you continue to do for our country and for our citizens every day. And uh, we're praying for you. We want these citizens to come home and we want them to be safe. And we want our government to wake up and do the right thing on the back end of this uh, project. And we're rooting for you and for all those people stuck on that plane right now. Well, thank you so much, and, and, and thank you for you, for that grace, but I'm just a small man standing on the shoulders of giants that are out there doing the work in the field, so i got to give kudos to those that are downrange, not only part of our projects, but there's other veteran service organizations yep. out there that are doing phenomenal work as well, and without all those giants out there doing that, we would be a lot worse off than where we're at right now. Well, whenever we're, we think that we have a problem in our country, I just think of people like you and realize we're still the best damn country God ever created because we have men and women just like you on the front lines. And uh, whenever we lose sight of that, we uh, we lose a good moment of American history. We're just so grateful. And uh, let's get these people home. What do you say? Hey, let's do that. Thank you, everybody out there that is willing to donate. John, thank you for giving us the airtime and the voice because it couldn't be done without, you know, we couldn't do this without all of you that are in the media that have helped out so much. And God bless you. God bless Americans and God bless America. Amen to that. And uh, he, I mean, he bless you in this very important mission you're doing. And we're going to get you back on soon. I can't wait. I want to talk some more about 13 hours. I love the book. I love the movie. One of these days, well, when there's not something as important as rescuing Americans, I want to bring you back on and talk about some of those amazing moments. You forever have captured America's great pride and, and honor. And we, we're grateful for that. 
Thank you so much. God bless. You too, sir. Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Second Amendment and some big things going on in Washington, like red flag laws, a UN treaty on gun registries. Got to keep you up to date and all those things right after this commercial break. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest on a very special topic. All of those, all those Americans who support the Second Amendment, and that should be all of us, have a lot to be worried about these days. And joining us right now to describe the landscape is Antonio Okafor, the Director of Outreach for Gun Owners of America. Antonio, great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be on here. It's been an amazing year. Almost every month we have a story on Just the News that says another record um, uh, background checks, another record month of purchases. Uh, people are embracing the Second Amendment. They're buying guns. They're working on their personal safety. They're doing training. And a lot of the newest entrants into gun buying are women. What's going on in America that has uh, created this incredible phenomenon? Yeah, well, well, women are finally realizing that it's up to them to to take care of themselves when it comes to safety. Unfortunately, that's been a repercussion, I would say, um, of COVID, of realizing that essentially the police departments have put out statements, sheriff departments literally telling you, like, look, we are over we are over capacity or at capacity, we're not going to be coming out to every single call that you guys have. And so a lot of women, particularly with what was been going on in the aftermath of COVID, um, the protests, the riots, everything, especially last year, um, it has really woken up a lot of women to realize that they need to take care of themselves, particularly in urban areas. So that's what we're seeing. And we see um, 8 million new gun owners in general, but we've seen of those 8 million, our 3.5 million of them are women. And so that is almost 50% of new gun owners in the last just uh, a couple years that have shown a huge increase of, of female participation in gun ownership. It's uh, really remarkable. And obviously there are you know, pretty high profile women that have brought attention to why this is a good idea. Clearly the defunding the police movement, I think has rocked everyone's confidence in, you know, we all love the blue and we all, we all support. I come from uh, generations of Irish cops in my family. Uh, but when these departments are either being defunded so they can't respond or because of COVID they're overwhelmed, you start thinking about how do I take care of myself? And that dynamic has really played out. Um, the defunding police movement, how big an impetus has it been, not only in uh, the Second Amendment, but just in the larger conversation about the role that government plays in our safety? Yeah, the Second Amendment, I mean, it's people, I think, think the Second Amendment and, oh, it's one of those freedoms that the government gave us. Thank you. Uh, it, it's No, it's really there actually to keep them accountable because essentially the Second Amendment isn't about hunting. It's not about self-defense, although, although I, I am a big uh, advocate for those two things. Um, the, the central 
position of the Second Amendment was there to make sure that the government knows is a check and balance on their trying to get power as much as possible. It's for the people to be able to protect themselves against uh, an oppressive and tyrannical government. And that's the main primary reason for the Second Amendment. That's so important because now we have people like Beto O'Rourke, who's, who's trying, or Robert Francis O'Rourke, right? right. Uh, his real name, uh, <laughs> uh, trying to push things, um, of course, like saying, I'm going to take away your AR-15s. I'm going to take a, a, your ak 47 and, of course, the Biden administration is all for that and trying to push against uh, people who are more and more trying to get AR-15s, right? So that is one of the big things is that people need to know why it's important that we do not let the government dictate, especially the type of arms that we are able to keep. And they're going to do that. They're going to say, you don't need a handgun that has more than 10 rounds capacity, which you already see in California and things yeah. like that. Um, you're going to say people like, oh, you know, a big military grade rifle like an AR-15, which they put misinformation saying that's an assault rifle, which is false. It's, it's Armalite, which is the, the inventor of the AR platform, not an assault rifle. Um, but again, even that to say what an assault rifle is, right? An assault weapon. I mean, I could, like I, I told someone earlier, I, I have this foundation in my hand and if I had a really good hand and throw, I could, <laughs> that could be an assault foundation, right? You right. know, um, you know, that could really hurt someone You can do some damage. So anything you use obviously to commit assault uh, against another person is an assault weapon. So again, that's just one of the many ways that the narrative of the left, the anti-gun left uses to confuse people, to make things, to make people think that one firearm is more dangerous than another when it comes down to the person behind it. That's really what the difference is, not the actual tool that you're using. And so that's why it's important to, to teach people and educate on, on what the reality really is. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Now, one of the current threats to the Second Amendment that people have been talking about a lot in the last few days are the red red flag laws, red flag, uh, I think, describe what those are and how they made it into the National Defense Authorization Act. Yeah, so red flag laws, um, I'm, first, I'm all about education, so there are definitely people who don't know what red flag laws are, That's so I'm right. going to go with that first. And red flag laws are essentially, I don't want to say made popular, but unfortunately have been become very aware um, after after what happened in Parkland a couple of years ago. And so we saw places like Florida trying to, you know, well, pushing red flag laws and also some Republicans, unfortunately. Um, and so what red flag laws are is essentially bypassing due process. Um, it is going from one person who says they, they accuse you of being a danger to yourself or to somebody else and then going to a judge that then gets um, reasonable suspicion, right, that you are dangerous to yourself or somebody else, and you are not part of that hearing. It's called an ex parte hearing, so you're not part of it. So that happens. They they uh, will implement then with the police department or sheriff department a no knock warrant, where which allows them to go into your home unannounced and to retrieve your firearm. Then after that process, then you have to pay the legal process to get that firearm back which in Colorado, for example, that passed a couple years ago, you have to do that year by year. So someone who actually accuses you, most of the time it's vendettas, it's people who yeah, right. don't like your political beliefs or, or think you are a danger, but not obviously in a way that <laughs> has shown to be a crime, right? Um, that's pre-policing, that's trying to 
be a minority report, thinking of something that you might do in the future, which obviously lends its hand to discrimination in many ways, um, is showing that they're trying to accuse you, but they don't have any repercussions of accusing you and of falsely accusing you at, at that matter as well. So that's the current law that's happening. Colorado has actually been shown for many, unfortunately, who like red flag laws as the model of legislation. And we've already seen in Colorado how detrimental that's been to, to even average people, even sheriff's departments, um, who've been saying no because no-knock warrants are, are especially harmful for police officers because, look, you're going into a home, say, I'm going to take your firearm, and also at 2 a.m. in the morning, right, um, and you're, you're going into this home that someone more than likely, because they have a right to, defend their home and their property, they are not going to be adamant to, <laughs> to just give their firearm away in that situation, especially if they don't know your police. Right. And so that's what we've been seeing is um, red flag laws. And so now we see this that specifically in the National Defense uh, Authorization Act that was just passed um, through the House where we had 135 Republicans say yes to that, knowing that there are red flag laws in, in this defense bill. And so where people who are trying to, at least who are fessing up, right, who are saying, yes, okay, there were red flags in that, but this is what's going to happen after the fact. We have this background deal, right, the swamp, this is essentially what the swamp is, where we're going to take it out in the future. And the Senate, the Senate uh, has told us that they're definitely going to take it out, so don't worry about it. You know, we voted for, for it, it's going to pass right. through, but yes, just believe us, trust us as congressmen and women that we're, we're doing the right thing. Unfortunately, we've seen, obviously, how this stuff has blown up in our face. We've seen it with bump stock cases, right, where they just said this is 40 ch chests or something where, you know, we just have to compromise here and don't worry, it's going to be taken out later. Never was. Same thing we saw with Nick's background checks. That was the same thing with the spending bills. They were able to push things like that, gun control in that, in that bill, which is now a permanent fixture of the the gun world right right um so there's many things i've shown time and time again that that type of 40 chest does not work <laughs> it does not work and it's compromising our second amendment rights and specifically this impacts military this impacts servicemen and women active mil military will be a part of this this order this emergency order that will take their firearms first and then maybe in the process, give them due process later. Um, in the bill, it says 30 days for an ex parte hearing. Like I said, you're not part of that hearing. It happens without your knowing or your notice. Um, but their way of justifying it is that at least 30 days afterwards, you'll you'll find out that you've gotten your, your rights taken away. And so that's specifically impacting the military and would be a model for a federal-wide, not state-by-state state like it is right now with right. red flag laws, a federal-wide um, implementation of red flag laws for all of our service members. So that is what they voted for in the defense bill. It, for people who want to look it at themselves, because there are people who, who want to say now that, you know, we're lying, that GOA is lying, and, and they're, not, they're pushing anger and we're pushing um, lies. We're not. You can look it up in Section 529 of this bill, the NDAA, which is H.R. 4350. So it's all there, black and white. Unfortunately, it's already passed the House and 135 Republicans said yes to that. So that's what that's where we're at right now. Yeah, that's such an important thing. Now, Wisconsin is considering a similar red flag law. And a lot of this is being done in the name of preventing troop suicide, you know, which is a real issue. Right? Military suicide is a real, a real issue. But really, the concern here is due process, right? 
and right. the sort of the the burden of the Second Amendment shifts from the owner of it, the right, to now they have to protect their right as opposed to it's guaranteed. And I want to read you something. About a week ago, the Attorney General intervened in a New York gun case that's before the Supreme Court. And one of his early lines in saying why they were filing a friend of the brief court, this is a dispute between a a gun company and the state of New York over its regulations. He he wrote this interesting um, entree into... Uh, the the friend of the court brief. And I'm just curious uh, uh, your take on it because it, uh, a lot of the people wonder if it isn't an absolute right. What is a right? The the government wrote that the Second Amendment uh, you know provides this uh, 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 the right to keep and bear arms, but that right is not absolute. That's what the U.S. government intervened. It's not an absolute right. What's going on with this administration, the Biden administration, in terms of trying to chip away at the Second Amendment? Well, I mean, there are several ways that they've been trying to do this um, from saying things like, you know, what's essential and what's non-essential, right? So, uh, we saw that on the state level of many places, like, for example, Michigan saying, look, gun ranges and uh, training facilities are non-essential. Um, so those were the fir- one of the first places to be shut down. Um, so we have all of these people who are under the Biden administration, who like-minded Democrats who are anti-gun. I mean, there used to be a time where saying Democrat didn't mean immediately that they were anti-gun. But unfortunately, the platform is completely shifting to the left when it comes to that. Um, and so, yeah, we're seeing state by state. On Also on the federal level with Biden leading the charge of finding different ways to, to take away our Second Amendment protections. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, such a such an amazing thing for people who value the Second Amendment, who exercise it daily and do so responsibly and carefully, and uh, with uh, with real you know personal responsibility. What are the biggest threats that you, when you look out over the country, whether it's in the state and the federal government, what are the biggest threats that are out there right now that people should be aware of? Yeah, well, I, I can say with positivity, there is one big threat, but that's for the anti-gun side right now. And the big threat is this movement of constitutional carry. Lisa, yep. um, here, I'm a Texan I'm from Houston, grew up in Dallas, native Texan here. And so it's been great to see this. It's been a 150-year-long gun control um, bill that's been in place that has said that you have to get the permission from the government and pay the government to get a permit to be able to exercise your very fundamental human right to self-defense. And so that uh, it has been overturned uh, starting this year, September 1st of this month. Um, and so that is what we have now in Texas that we're also trying to push now in places like Florida. Florida doesn't have constitutional carry. Um, and so that's what Gun Owners of America is trying to push now is to go into places like that. Unfortunately, that kind of also shows what one of the threats are. It's not always going to be so obvious, right, uh, that the Democrats are the ones who are anti-gun. Sometimes, like I said, with what happened with the NDAA vote, there are people who say they're Republicans, and I'm sure you know know what rhinos are, um, (laughs) who say that they're Republicans and that they're even pro-Second Amendment or pro-gun. Um, but then you actually look at what they're voting for, not voting for, or not pushing through. And unfortunately, that's what we see in Florida. We've been seeing for years now. I've been an advocate for campus carry, which is concealed carry on college campuses. That's actually how I got into activism in the 2A world as a student. Um, Florida, I've many times had been stopped by other Republicans, um, unfortunately, who won't wow. bring it 
to the floor. Yeah. Um, and who won't bring campus carry to the floor of just getting a vote. We almost got that same type of reaction here in Texas, unfortunately. Um, but that's why we have groups like GOA who are informing the public and letting them know, like, look, this is what they're saying. This is what, really what they mean. They don't want to put a vote because they don't want to say yes or no. Right. They don't want to have that on their record. Um, but they want people to think that they're pro Second Amendment. So we have to do our due diligence as voters to really not only just take these politicians at face value who say, look, I have an R behind my, my name. I'm good. I'm a veteran or I'm good. Like those things are important and they should have weight and value, but your actions speak a lot more than your words. And so that's what we're seeing is putting these people, um, essentially making sure that they're accountable and transparent with their vote and that they are actually voting pro second amendment. Yeah, such an important thing. Sometimes you think, you know, this is a straight party line issue, but when you get into the specifics, mm-hmm. you don't see that at all. And that's why it's important to check each one of your members of Congress, your state legislators, and make sure that when they say they're committed to the Second Amendment, how did they vote when they had that opportunity? Um, for people who don't know what Gun Owners of America, I mean, it's been around, it does such important work. What are some of the things that uh, GOA can do to help you know people who support the Second Amendment and to learn, get updated, be smart? What are some of the things that GOA does that is, uh, people can get involved with today? Yeah, so one really simple thing they can do now to just, again, to be educated, I think is the number one way to, to get involved is knowing what's going on um, and that will kind of help spur you into action just knowing how bad it is sometimes um, but just to be a part of our newsletter we have a national alert that we have um, that we push out things like so like the NDA a vote we knew about that because we you know we're the number one um, gun lobby group in dc right we're no compromise so we've been we've had our um, we had our people in the ground already for a long time, knowing that that was something that was potentially going to be an issue before they even voted. So we put alerts out to help voters like this, your audience know what to talk to their representatives about before they, they vote. Um, so that's the type of stuff that they can sign up on gunowners.org and they can be a part of the newsletter and national alerts that we get to inform them not only about the national stuff, but also their state um, type of issues as well. So we have directors, for example, in Texas, we have a state director, uh, Rachel Malone, done great work in Texas. She's really, I believe, the reason why we have constitutional carry. Um, Also, same thing in Florida, we have Louise Valdez, who is the uh, Florida director there. So you can look that up if you have a director in your area, a regional director, and um, talk to them and they can help you get involved in the state issues as well. So there is such a fountain of information on Gun Owners of America. I often check it just to make sure that we're doing the right things, adjust the news, or covering the right stories. This one caught my attention not too long ago because I think a lot of people aren't aware of this, but it is a big deal. The United Nations, of course, it has a treaty mm-hmm. pending that would essentially create a mandate for every country that signs a treaty, a mandatory gun registry. So everyone's names who owns mm-hmm. a gun in the world would be accessible. The Trump administration withdrew from the conversations a couple of years ago, but just earlier this month, the Biden administration's top State Department arms person indicated that the Biden administration would like to sign the treaty. Of course, it needs congressional or Senate for approval to do there. How big a deal is it and how big a shock or threat is this to the Second Amendment that uh, the United States would subjugate its Second Amendment rights to the United Nations? You know, unfortunately, it's not that big of a shock if you're paying attention, right? Because you've seen time and time again how we've 
essentially given away autonomy to uh, the UN. Um, the U.S., who was very much about making sure that we were we kept to ourselves and so we could keep that power um, and not be part of an order that forces everybody to do exactly what some other usually leftist um, thinker believes that we should be doing, um, like gun registration. Um, I mean, that's not a new that's not a new tactic, no, right? It's been around. In the world, yeah. People who know history know the ways that other countries, like Germany, like etc., use gun registration as a way as their first means of. Um, making sure that the populations they wanted defenseless were defenseless first before they started implementing horrific things like the Holocaust, right? So um, that is not a new thing. Um, it's just the UN is trying to utilize this quote-unquote one world order, one piece type of thing um, under the guise of gun registration. And so that's what they're doing with this. And so we're going to, of course, UA is adamantly opposed to any type of gun registration, but particularly um, something that's outside the U.S.'s hands and going into a U.N. Um, type of uh, order and mandate. So that's how we we feel about that. We're adamantly opposed to anything like that, especially us as U.S. signing on to something yeah, like that. Such a big moment. There's so many things going on, and that's why a group like Gun Owners America really helps people who are trying to keep their thumb on all the different threats to the Second Amendment, why you guys play such an important role and why you, in turn, you're such an important spokesperson for the Second Amendment. I want to thank you for joining us today. And let's get you back on regularly. This this is going to be a, a very challenging and exciting two years over gun legislation, whether what's going on in Texas, you know, in favor of Second Amendment, what's going on in Washington, it may be against it. I'd, I'd love to keep our, our listeners up to speed on it. Absolutely. I would love to, I'd love to be here again. Thank all you for right. having me today. Thanks, Antonio. I really appreciate it. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, America, that wraps up another show. Wow, what a day. So grateful for Mark Geist. He's so busy as he's trying to rescue these American citizens from Afghanistan, but he took time out to come on John Solomon Reports to talk to the audience here at Just the News. So grateful for that. I think Antonio's drone view flyover of America and the Second Amendment and the things going on in the states, in Washington, D.C., things you might not have heard about that you ought to be concerned about, red flag laws, the U.N. treaty, a lot of good, good, actionable information. We give you the facts. You make up your mind what to do. That's why we do this show every day. And of course, remember, if you like what we do here on the show, if you like the news that you get from just the news, there's something special you can do for us. You know what that is? You could go out and support the sponsors and the advertisers that make this show possible. Every day, we've got amazing people making this show possible. You know them all from Kansas City Steaks to Bambi to Wild Alaskan, all of the great sponsors, all of the amazing people that make this show and support this show, Annie's Kit Club, all of them, go support them today. Sign up for their services, for their products. Let them know. You know usually just use the Just News code or the Just News thing, Birch Gold Group. We had them on the other day. You go to their Birch 
gold.com slash just news. You get that kit, you learn something valuable from it, maybe make a different investment decision with that new knowledge. All of these sponsors are amazing people. They make what we do possible, the journalism of Just the News possible, the interviews for this podcast possible. Let them know you love us and let them know you love them for supporting us. That's something you can do today to make a difference in the world of Just the News. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with more news and breaking news and great interviews here at John Solomon Reports. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country of the United States of America, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from justthenews.com.